Welcome to episode 211 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 115 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I are going to continue our, our trip around the diamond. We are going to be taking a look at our part two of our outfield preview, I'm taking a look at outfielders 36 through 70 and then answering some listener questions. It's obviously been a depressing day in baseball with um, the lockout continuing and games now being canceled. Hopefully that will be solved soon. But it is a fun uh, version of the episode. We have a little bit of technical difficulties at the end where I disappear. Uh, But then Nick Pollock shows up for a little while and we talk about some things not baseball related. And then we get into the baseball related and we get some engagement from the chat, which is a lot of fun. So hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, as always, if you do, please do uh, leave a rating and review for us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. You can reach me on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. You can reach Bub on uh, Twitter at BDNTrek. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Batflip, episode 115. We continue our tour around the diamonds for our second time discussing the outfield position for the 2022 fantasy baseball season, whenever that may happen, because it will. And we're going to pick up where we left off. We left off through the first 35 outfielders last week. We'll make a run through 20, 30, 35 more. We'll see this week, see where things go. Got a couple listener questions, and we'll probably just, you know, just go on tangents from time to time, because that's what we're going to do. But before that, you can find me on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host is always on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, my friend? Uh, we're doing we're doing all right, Bubba. I'm trying to keep it uh, I'm trying to keep it positive. Um, you know, in light of today's news that the season is going to be that we're going to have some games that are canceled, and you know they haven't come. Time I chose a really bad day to be on a cleanse. I'm on day oh, two of no. a cleanse. Yeah, where I'm just, I just have these shakes and water. And that's all I've eaten for two days. Oh, man, you could be going and like on a super like chocolate rush right now. I am just, I, I'm, uh, I'm feeble at the moment. So, oh, no. yeah, Not but that's good. okay. That's okay. I got plenty of energy for the show. But it's just like, you know, dry, bit, can you check your uh, cord again? Because you're going in and out. Toby. Now Toby's frozen. This is good. I think Toby got locked out. This is what it feels like, I think. Yep. Toby, we've lost you. Yep, he's frozen. Nick, Nick Pollock, you want to jump in, Nick? You can come come chat some outfielders with us. I know it's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, he was just talking about the news, Nick. And he's like, yep, and then everything went frozen. So we're going to work on fixing this. 
let's see what we can do here. But uh, I always appreciate you jumping in, Nick. You're the best. You are the best. Um, if you want to jump in, Nick, I can. Uh, I'll send you the link. Okay, there we go. You get the link. It's coming up in just a second. One second, everybody. We'll be up and running in no time. Technology doesn't even want to work on a day like today. It is great. Nick, link is sent. Toby is back. Toby, how are we doing? All right. And we got a special guest coming on. <laughs> Nick Pollock in the house, everybody. Whoa. What is happening? <laughs> it's so good to see on? you guys. You know, I, I got to say, I, Toby, you look great when I can't see your mouth. I'm serious. This is wonderful <laughs> the way you got the pop filter and the mic there. You sound amazing. What amazing. are you trying to say about my mouth? No, I'm saying it means you're dedicated, you know, you're, you know you're dedicated like to the quality, to the people listening I, at home. I am dedicated to the quality uh, of the listeners at home. I respond to uh, constructive criticism and I embrace the new world of uh, high quality audio. You sound great. You're, you really <laughs> Thank do. You. I got to say. Thank and, you. I appreciate and, it. I've and, actually like, I just changed the audio so that instead of being like, Baba, you sound great. Like you'll be like Toby, you sound great too. Because oh man, that feels I mean, good. It's wonderful. It's 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 sugar to my ears. It's beautiful. You know? That's the goal. A little golden pillow golden uh, of pillow. wonder, wonderful fantasy analysis. And so we can and... put him to sleep with our analysis, Toby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's comfort is what it is. It's comfort it's on comfort. a day like today that is just. It is. It is hard today. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I gotta say, guys, for um. You know, I, I like to joke like this on a day like today that the worst thing you could ever do is be in a business that is out of your control if it exists or not. Mm. And um, that's what I've decided to do. So I, yeah. today's cool and great and sad and terrible. And I'm just happy I get to talk to both of you very briefly. Oh, I'm it glad you got to jump in real quick. Because uh, you know what? Happier. You know, if worst comes to worst, the beat still goes on, right? We keep, we keep chugging right. along because they're going to play eventually. They're going to play. It's they just better. the owners have to stop being so greedy. It's that simple, but it's not that simple, I guess. So that's the grand scheme. When when would you say opening day will be? I was talking about, I think it was right before you came in. I think at the earliest mid-April. I'm thinking more like May 1st oh, sounds God. like opening day. Oh, God. Which stinks. I, I don't want it that way. Trust me. I do not want that at uh, all. I know. I know. But May that's 1st. just. Is that you too, Toby? Yeah, I'm pretty much. And Toby's gone again. The only there he is. Toby's got a bad cord. This Yo, oh, I know thing. this. The Yetis do this. Yeah, that I had to get a bad cord. Amazon. Yeah, the, you keep the, going in and out. Yeah, the the, the connection oh right at the God. bottom. Yep. Yeah, you're so good. They have a good? bad location. You're good yeah, right now. Yeah. I'm gonna stay away from it. Holy cow! Just when I'm touting <laughs> my own audio, uh, I think I, I'm I'm pretty. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty in the May first bucket. I mean, I think the real challenge to the whole situation is that the owners do not, the owners do not really seem to care, right? Like oh, God. they did, they, there's all this posturing in the media that they've done, but they really haven't fundamentally changed their position at all. 
right. and they're not willing to give in. And I think from the player's perspective, like they're very unified as well. And I think that's the challenge is do the owners do anything until it starts hurting their pocketbook? Because I really don't think that the owners have the best interest of the sport at all in mind. I mean, it's no, a total right? it's so sad. money play. And so if it's a total money play and they don't care about the sport, which I firmly believe, at least the vast majority of them, then what's like what's gonna what's gonna cause the stalemate to break? Are they, you know, is it gonna be the players players breaking away? And I and I don't think that they can, like in any good, like in any good faith. So I think it's a really challenging situation. I don't want to be dire about it. I think we'll have baseball eventually because it, it is about money and it'll end up hurting the owner's pockets at some point in time. The TV TV rights and stuff like that will start pressuring them. But right now it's just, it's just glum that like the future of baseball rests in the hands of these owners. Man, I, I, I'm just so sad that I have to hear a word like glum today. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's we, a word we, we I haven't heard for a while because it's all positivity, but Glum has has re-entered my vernacular now. And glum, just don't, man, just don't it, type it. It you? won't be as real. Yeah, I won't. I will never type glum. Don't type it. Oh man, oh, man. Well, but, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get us down. I mean, no, I'm, sorry. Part, I'm just. I, I literally, my head was like, glum is a word, right, Nick? It is. Yep. It is. Yep. That's glum how is much um, I'm usually so positive. And today, I'm like, you know what? Yep. Baseball. Is still gonna live. This is a bump in the road. The green exactly. pastures are ahead. There it is. There it but is. But this sucks. Yes, it does. This and this sucks so much. And well, sorry, yeah, I just want Cracker Barrel with you guys as yes. we celebrate well, talking Barrel, about so this. Dairy Queen, a little Dairy yeah. Queen right now. Oh no, man, no. Bubba, don't do this. I'm yeah, on yeah, a fast. Cleanse. I'm yeah, drinking water. I'm on a yeah. I'm like fast slash cleanse or whatever. I'm just drinking like I'm had like. I've had 480 total calories in the last two days, man. What? Yeah. And you're talking so about what Dairy Queen like and greens? Cracker Barrel? I'm just resetting. I'm resetting the system. But what I'm, What are the 480 calories? Oh, there's. it's just a, it's like a, a plant protein shake. 480 With a variety of, of different, you know, <laughs> minerals and vitamins and things like, like that. And I do I'm this for two right days. Now. Yeah. I do this for two days, and uh-huh. then for the rest of the week, all five days, it's pretty much just vegetables. Okay. With a little bit of plant and animal protein. So, so I'm going to have sardines finished... for dinner. Oh, wow. And I'm going to have garbanzo beans for lunch in my salad. And I do this all the time. I do these all the time. I do it like I did it like two months ago. It's really nice for like resetting your system. You feel great. Uh-huh. Um, afterwards, once you start able to eat like actual food <laughs> sure, and it's just a nice little reset because I have a problem with moderation. Mm. So like I had go through the same trajectory where I start off and I'm like, do one of these cleanses. And then I'm like, man, I feel great. I'm going to eat healthy. And then I'm like, oh, you want to know something I should do? Like I should splurge like one day a week. Like I should be able to get my, my apple fritter. I should be able to go to DQ right? I should be able to do these things. And then pretty quickly over the period of like a couple days, I'm like, but it's Tuesday. And like, I should be eating anything that I want right now. That's like delicious. Tacos. I'm Taco an adult. Tuesday. full of sugar. I, exactly. Yeah. So I just need to remind myself how much I enjoy food by denying myself 
All right. Well, there you go. Food. It's like I, I stopped drinking coffee for about a couple weeks every December on purpose so that I can reset yeah, it. Toby doesn't drink coffee. More. I, I drink coffee very rarely. Uh, when I do, it's mostly decaf. When I do have caffeinated What's coffee. What's the point then? Exactly. It's, Why are you it having decaf? Good. It tastes good. What's the Said point of no drinking? no one ever for decaf. What's the, what's this the is... point of drinking coffee if you don't like the taste of it? Well, no, this no, no. There's is, a difference between so decaf and, and caffeinated coffee of taste. Big time. Yeah. The, oh, this, this is what I'm the, this, this example right here between his diet, his... The healthy diet plus the dessert diet, uh, his coffee, the way he analyzes baseball, the way I analyze. But this is why we work well together. We are oh, like absolutely. the yin and the yang of the situation. Like and, and, I go and have like a, a steak dinner. He's basically a vegetarian, like a pescatarian. Like we are like totally different. absolutely. It's like it's the great. olive law from my uh, from yeah. how I met your mother, right? Yep. Uh, you have the steak, awesome. he has the dessert. You know, you guys compliment each other. I just that love way. listening and to it. You guys are such a good compliment that here I am wedging between you. You're always welcome. You're always welcome. You, you want to know it's really good coffee, Vietnamese coffee. Yes, that's you tried what, to sell me drink, on this. I need I'm to not going to listen to your opinion on this, Toby. I can't. It's incredibly I, good. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I mean, this is. I'm a guy who had Folgers all of last year because it was so convenient and cheap. But now I've actually discovered my the guy. Coffee. The guy. The guy who. He drinks Folgers all the knew, time. Knew He's telling bad. me there's a difference between caffeinated yes, and decaffeinated coffee bad. taste. Uh, I mean, come on! How I knew like it was eroding bad. your credibility. I'm trying with to tell every you. second. I'm trying no, to tell you. Great. I knew it was bad, and even I knew drinking Folgers that how wrong you are. That's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, but mean, now I drink uh, Joe Coffee Big City, and it's like the greatest coffee in the world. It's oh I, my god! Yeah. I don't Spe- technically yeah. drink like regular coffee. So, I have lattes. Yeah. I have uh, oat milk gotta, lattes. He's got to have sugar right? with his. He's got to have a lot of sugar. Well, I, do, I, I, do two, I do two <laughs> no little sugar, teaspoons of sugar, just oat milk, yeah. and, and oat lattes. Milk, right? The the Vietnamese coffee you use sweetened condensed milk. Now that yeah. one is sugary, but it's also absolutely delicious. Mm. And it's Robusta beans, which I didn't know this at all, but Robusta beans are three times as caffeinated. Super caffeinated. Super caffeinated compared mm. to Arabica beans. And I didn't know this the first time that I had my my Vietnamese coffee at home. And I made it super strong. And I don't drink caffeine usually. I think I already shared it on the podcast, but I felt yes. like I felt like I was like outside of my body. Yeah, it was just like with what was going over, on, right? And it was just jittery, too like much, just yeah. looking at my it's arms. And Nick my had hands, no idea like, what he's getting into tonight. No, no I mean this is what I needed though. <laughs> um, and I just gotta say, what did you say? It was ro- ro- robusta. 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 It sounds like robusta groove. What a there what a wonderful robusta game. Um, that sounds like a great thing to do at FPAS this year. We're gonna robusta groove because robusta. we're gonna get some baseball. We're gonna see who can put the most tablespoons of robusta beans yep. in their coffee. No. We're gonna Why? all take. We're all gonna have this. a cup of robusta beans Vietnamese coffee. Go play wiffle ball at FPAS. I think we have something. Oh going yeah, well on here. wiffle ball is something I've been trying to push for a while. I uh, and I will say you guys should know this by now. I think, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that I do not give in to peer pressure. I don't <laughs> care. You can say whatever you want, Nick, about, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to have a coffee off and see who can endure more caffeine. I don't know. I don't want to do that. That, that. No, you win. Congrats, Toby, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> he wins. No. I mean, I can't wait to see you guys again in Arizona. Yep. I'm a little upset. You know, I didn't go down to Florida, of course, because for obvious reasons, those spring training. 
Yep. Um, Conference is still happening stuff. though. Virtual. It is. I will. I will be there. I will um, be there as weekend. well. Friday. Fantastic. Is there a poker game? Can we make one? No, I don't Probably. Know. That's a good question. <laughs> Probably. But uh, all right. Some late I've, nights. I've stolen your time for my own joy enough. I think the people need to know about Outfield. And part two. Uh, I mean, part two. So I assume it's like 26 now. I'm going to go with that. We're getting deep. We're starting with number 36. Oh, 36 dang. through 70. Yeah. Whoa. We do it different on this. We podcast. see it, yeah, we, we, we see how far we can get depending on how much robust the beans Toby had. Yeah, to see how for far sure. we can get. I, if I had robust <laughs> beans right now with with the amount of food I've eaten over the last two days, I would just like I I don't know. What I, I'm going to I'm going to segue into this by saying, where is Jorge Soler? And where's Akil Badu? Well, Akil uh, Badu is 30, not Soler's, anywhere. He's going Jorge, way too yeah, high. Jorge Soler and Jorge 55. Soler is great. He's 55. <laughs> Badu's 39. Okay. Soler needs to be higher than 55. These aren't rankings. These are ADP. These are by ADP. So we yeah, analyze them by Guys, ADP. Come on. Bubba, how dare you put him at 55? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know me. Always moving and shaking the ADP world. That's me. <laughs> Come on, but, man. Nick, before you go, though. Yes. Congratulations on your FSWA. Oh, yes. Podcast of the year. That's, you that's, and well, Alex that's have been doing fantastic work for a number of so, years. So who gets custody of the award? And you keep on getting recognized in all these dis- <laughs> different spheres, like baseball pods, tournament you win. And then you and win the silly. FSWA, we, we and you're always trying to like how. be humble and stuff. I just want to see you own it, you know. Like don't <laughs> don't give into the peer humility pressure, you know. Well, I am serious. When you I when I got the phone like, call, I picked it up, and um, I said, "They said, hey, is this Nick Pollock?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're trying to call Paul Spore. So here's the number <laughs> uh, right now, in case you need that one. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's something that is only a product of everybody else, you know. It's like, well deserved. There's no way we're doing this stuff without everybody in the industry, as you guys know, being just amazing and supportive and and all of that stuff. Um, also, I think we had a a uh, a huge benefit. They they didn't give the award to on the corner. They gave, gave the, the award Network. to the pitcher list podcast. Uh, you know, pitcher list fantasy baseball, which Hacks and Jacks is a part of. Yep. And also separately got nominated. So they are the true winners in my view. Ooh. And yeah. that network is guy. like that that feed over the offseason had, I think, 12 different shows go on it. So nice. it's a product of everybody. It's not me, Alex, whatever. It's Adam Howe overseeing the entire thing. It's all those amazing. Adam's great. Together. We love oh Adam. My God. Adam, what a, what a joy it is I get to work with him. So. It's an incredible thing. I'm still shocked that we were able to beat the likes of NBC and The Athletic and Fangraphs and our own Pitcher List podcast. <laughs> uh, but, you uh, beat yeah. your own podcast to do it. it. Wow, that's kind of it was, boss man, is this. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, no, I gave a better speech than Alex Fast, and that's all that's important. You know. Yes, yes. So. And by the way, I, I forgot to tweet it out, I think, but uh, the two of you with PCP on Fancy Pros was one of the funniest things I have ever heard because I know both of you guys pretty well, so I know the kind of humor. But that was oh, like genuine. Yeah. It wasn't even shtick. That was like genuine. Just I loved it. Loved every minute no, of it. We we don't do that. You know. You know me. Yeah. I I don't want to oh, fight ever. And no. that is the only time I think I allow it. But it's because everyone knows it's so tongue in cheek. 
Yep. Right? And the fact that Fast is coming up with this stuff without uh-huh. any ranks of his own is so like... good. It was so good. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Where are you going to put Marcus Stroman? And he's like, would you have it above him? He goes, well, no. Like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Point goes so to good. Alex. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he set you up by putting the outline together with all kinds. It was just, it was amazing. It was, it was a really fun time. Like, I'm glad he's even, he's been living down in Hollywood too long where he's already making scripts and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's, it's unreal. We got to save him. We got to save him. All right. Seriously. Talk about outfielders. The people need it. Okay? I'd rather, I need I'm it. good. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. I'm going to go. Okay. Well, thanks go. for joining us, Nick. As no, always. thank you for having me. And never freeze your camera open. again, Toby. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll have I, to steal the I, show hey, instead. If you show up every time I freeze my camera, Nick, I will be freezing oh, my damn. camera all the time. I'm always watching. Especially like you come on the show and you're like, man, your audio quality is seriously top though. Not. Seriously, guys, if you're listening to this right now, leave a review for a bench with Bubba and tell Toby how good his audio is. Seriously. It, it, it's pretty darn good. He needs to know how we all appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. All right. And on that, have a wonderful podcast. I'll see you guys later. Thank you, my friend. Bye, Nick. Thanks for joining us. See ya. Well, that was fun. That was fun. I love it. I love it. If people want to jump on from time to time, I'm always up for it, especially if we're going to have a lockout. So let's, <laughs> let's kill some time having some fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it listening and it wasn't too much for you. I'll put in the notes, jump to like 20 minutes if you want to go straight to the fantasy stuff. But uh, it's fun just to catch up. And if you guys think that was uh, kind of goofy, you should have been in the car rides with me, Toby, Nick, and Miles going to uh, Cracker Barrel to baseball games to Dairy Queen. Yeah, it was it was it was just like that. <laughs> so enjoy it. But um, all right, Toby, let's pick up outfielders where we left off. Toby hates most of them. One through thirty five. He doesn't all like most of them because they don't contribute just, categories although, he doesn't want. <laughs> in TGFBI, I did draft my first two two hitters are or my first two of my first three hitters are outfielders. So I guess I'm a liar. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. When the other ones rubber I meets like. the road, rubber meets the road, it gets fun. Well, yeah, you got your year stolen. Let me guess. Was uh, was there like a Rosarena, an O'Neill, a mm. Louis Robert, no. Kyle Tucker? No, I kind of surprised myself guys. a little bit, but well, I went with um, I got Brian, Byron Buxton. You and I don't, I don't mind it. I, I like went the, Byron I like Buxton. It. I'm surprised that that came out of your draft. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, I've been drafting DCs over and over and over again, and and so like it's just such a different situation when you can actually put somebody on your bench or have an injury replacement for them. And on a per plate appearance basis, he's just so he's a beast. phenomenal. And with my start, like I started, I started. Um, uh, I started Burns. What did I start? Burns, Wheeler, Burns, Wheeler. Basis. Okay, surprised. Burns, Wheeler, Iglesias nice. is how I started. Three pitchers and out the then game. I went with Buxton. I like it though. And then I went with um, I went with Dylan Cease. Nice. He went pitcher heavy early. Heavy, I heavy. went very pitcher heavy. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it, but I, I'm really, I'm trying this out. I'm going to see how the offense fills in, how comfortable I feel with it. It hasn't been a draft where things have fallen the way that yeah. I have, I have wanted them to fall. I've been looking at other people's boards and I'm just like, my God, you know, like yeah. burns at 18. I feel you. Uh, Zach Waxman posted his board. It was like, was it a real board or was it one of Zach's fake boards? Oh, I don't know, but it, yeah, I think I'm just it was, saying, it's what he's done I, I don't this know, many but times. it was burns hater burns at 16 hater at 
45. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's and, fake if that's the case. Uh, I mean, we'll maybe see. it is. Maybe it we'll is. See. But he managed to get on the podcast. I, so, yeah. So it was just, I was just like, you well, know. That's a heck of, heck of a and start. And I can't, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't love it. I honestly don't love it. But and what where, where were you at? The eighth pick? You said? I was the sixth pick. Sixth pick. Okay. I was the sixth pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. but okay. I feel pretty good. I mean, the I mean, the honestly, the Burns Wheeler Iglesias start was great. I was just it's hoping pretty, that maybe some awesome. other guys fell to me. Um, so, so was Hendricks was Hendricks and Hader already gone? Yeah, they were gone. They were gone. So they I think Hader went the pick before me or two picks before me. Um, that would have been really nice, but yeah, that would have been a, a can't amazing. win them all. Nope, no, you got a great start, so that's good. We'll see how that keeps going. And when uh, we get closer to finishing these drafts, we'll maybe do an episode towards those and to kind of talk about how things went there because it is interesting doing that. I did my tout draft today, then like one other fab league, I think, and changing the mindset between the two DCs to fab, it's a little different. You got to kind of take a step back and uh, see where things go. So We'll, uh, we'll get that going for sure. But let's head to the outfield. I, I usually would have tr- changed the uh, ADP like settings for dates, but I kept it the same, so we keep close to the same order. So it's still from February 9th on. So there's 25 total DC drafts in the books. And at 36, we have Trent Grisham, 37, Chris Taylor, 38, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., 39, Akil Badu. And as of last night, 40 was... Austin Meadows. So we'll go with that. Meadows and Verdugo are actually tied in ADP at 161.84. So Grisham, Taylor, Guriel, Badu, Meadows. Thoughts, Toby? Yeah. So for me, I mean, Grisham is interesting. I haven't drafted him yet, but he's definitely a guy that's on my radar. You know, he should be batting leadoff mostly for the Padres and the Padres have some major weaknesses in their lineup. So Whereas like in last season when they were fully healthy, dropping him to the back of the lineup was a possibility. I'm not sure it is, you know, this year. So I anticipate that he'll probably see a few more plate appearances hitting first. And one thing that I noticed about Grisham when I dove in was that he actually doesn't have platoon splits. So like he's actually hit lefties, I think better than righties well. yep. um, so far. And so there's a little bit less of a concern there. I think the one concern I have with him is the power. I think we saw that power in the shortened season, you know, with the 10 home runs and less than 300 plate appearances. And that was super encouraging, but he saw a pretty significant drop in his barrel rate last year down to 5.2%. I know he did battle some injuries, but the combination of that, like little lack of power and the fact that I just don't think the batting average, you know, with his, uh, you know, I don't think the batting average is going to be there. I mean, the projections have him kind of mid- 240s. I'm just not quite prepared to go there at this point in time in the draft um, for a profile like that. When like you know you have Robbie Grossman growing a little bit later, who has a pretty similar you know profile, if not like maybe a little bit more speed, even potentially a little bit more power. So it interests me, and I could see him taking that next step and 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 being big. Um, so Grisham is a little bit interesting. Taylor, I, I'm not really interested in at all. You know, he's had a couple of short periods of time, like you know, a few months or a half season where he's really looked great. And then he's looked awful since then. I just think he's a little bit of a batting average liability. He's getting older. He does play all over the diamond, but I'm just not anticipating like anything particularly special from him. And I think the downside is pretty considerable. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel. Um, I have not been in on Lourdes, although I know there's a lot of smart people who are interested in him. 
Um, and he was really good towards the end of last season. We've seen that he can put together some incredibly hot stretches, you know, batting average being there, but the speed isn't necessarily there. So I haven't really been going down that path. Akil Badu, I just have no interest in whatsoever. Talk about platoon splits. He's god awful against lefties and he's no longer a rule five pick. And so they don't have the same type of pressure to keep him up, not even necessarily in the major leagues, but uh, just in the lineup. And if he doesn't perform, I'm not exactly sure, you know, that he stays in the lineup since Detroit is really trying to turn that corner um, and become a contender. And besides, if we have 18 teams in the playoffs this year, then the Tigers might just make it. Um, And then last Austin Meadows, Meadows is a tough one because he's always there. He always seems to be like hanging out there waiting to be drafted, but the batting average is a bit of a concern with the batted ball profile, just, you know, really ground low ground ball rate. You know, the home runs have been nice. The speed, it hasn't necessarily been there anymore though. So like the combination of that just makes it a lot less appetizing of a profile. And he just hasn't seemed like the same guy since he got COVID in that shortened season. So I haven't really been on him either. So again, I I dislike most of the guys. I have a total of zero shares of these five, I think, on all my teams. Yeah, it seems to be a trend here, Toby. seems to be a trend. I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, for me, uh, Grisham's an intriguing one for me because you mentioned there shouldn't be any platoon splits because he he hits lefties quite well, better than he does righties. Played in 132 games last year, 15 homers, 13 steals. But like you also mentioned, there was more of a platoon situation last year. Their team was better, which they shouldn't be this year. He walks a ton, great OBP skills. Um, he's intriguing to me, to say the least. Very, very intriguing to me. If he can get back to like 140-plus games, I, I'm, I'm very in on him. But he's one of those guys, if I'm kind of short on steals early in my draft, he's a guy I like to target. Uh, like, or I'll look harder at at that point in my roster construction. Otherwise, if I'm pretty good on steals, I'd probably pass. I'll get another pitcher or something at that point in the draft. But if I know I need steals, he's one of those guys I don't mind checking the box on because if he does play enough – you can get 15 plus steals out of him and he should score a ton of runs if he does hit a top that lineup. So I think Grisham is quite intriguing in that, uh, that kind of roster situation. Chris Taylor, I was all about him early in DC season, but the more I look into him, the more I look into other players in general, it was like, I was kind of going, Oh, he's got so much multi-position eligibility. This is great. If he doesn't play, he's like a bunch of games. He's really not that great. He really isn't. He's got to play as 140, 150 plus games, or he's just not going to be there. And with the Dodgers, that's in question. Like right now, if uh, as their team is, he probably plays a ton. But A, we know the Dodgers will spend money. And B, he's got to stay healthy too, not just the platoon situation. So it's a tough pick. It's very, very tough. A guy that I have a couple early shares of and nothing since then. Uh, Lourdes is one of my favorites. I absolutely love Lourdes Gurriel. I drafted him today, actually. I've drafted him many times. Um, I love the batting average as the draft goes on. I love the power. I love the idea that he could hit like fourth or fifth in that lineup this year because um, Springer probably goes towards leadoff, potentially, opening up some spots in that middle of that order, no Simeon and stuff. So I think he could take another step up. The dude is a legit powerhouse, and he actually hit better, I believe, at uh, the Rogers Center than he did. Or, he, like you said, he finished the year so strong. So I love Loris. Yes, he's not going to steal bases. Like, you just got to get that one through there. But 25-plus home runs, um, great average, runs, RBIs. Like, he's a great four-category contributor for you. So I love Loris Gurriel Jr. And Austin Meadows and Akil Badu. Badu, I like him more than you do, but I'm not, like, forcing myself to draft him at all. It's like if you if you want to take a risk, I think he's got a pretty good ceiling if he can figure it out because he's still so young. But uh, there's a lot of big, big floor as Toby mentioned, lots of things that can go wrong there too. So 
I'm not super in love. And Austin Meadows, zero shares. And you can ask Paul Sporer what I really think about him. So I, I've let Paul Sporer know a few times about what I think about Austin Meadows because it wasn't just injuries. He was platooned in the second half of the season. So the Rays don't think so highly of him either, at least not the way he was playing last year. That could change. He was obviously a stud player at some time, and maybe he gets healthy and gets going, but the Rays always have a ton of options. Like what if uh, Bruhan comes up and starts playing well, or they want to platoon Meadows and Manny Margot? Uh, these are things they could do to make life really, really fun. So no Meadows guess, for me. Guess what a Bud do's um, uh, WRC plus was against lefties. Oh, he's horrible. Um, let me guess 37, 47, his <laughs> OPS was 523. You know, it's bad. It's real bad. Yeah. Well, because like the thing is he'd still play every day, but it was one of those, he'd bat like eighth or ninth versus lefties most of the time. And he'd lead off versus righties. That was the, mm-hmm. when you do in DFS, you watched it all the time. It was like, Oh, they got four righties this week. Sweet. He's, he is a good guy for NFPC. I will say that much. Like if for schedules, if you can play the right-handed game, He's going to hit towards the top of the order. He hits him decently, and he gets on base, and he see runs. Like, but do you want to have to do that shuffling all the time, especially with a pick with your with, high? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, the, that's, the, that's like, the question. At that point in the draft, you should be drafting starters still, not platoon guys in your lineup. So that's the problem. Like, I, that's why I said I could see the ceiling. Maybe he learns how to hit lefties at like let's say an eighty-five WRC plus, like a seven hundred OPS. Still not great, but that at least makes him formidable. Then it becomes a little more interesting, but. Yeah, it's one of those I'd rather just pass and let someone else take that gamble type situation. All right, 41 through 45. Alex Verdugo, again, same ADP as Austin Meadows. Uh, we got Hunter Renfro, Avisel Garcia, your boy, Eddie Rosario, and Dylan Carlson. So what are we liking in this range? Yeah, so Verdugo, I just don't understand necessarily. Um, like Verdugo has... 33 home runs in more in more than 1300 plate appearances and 14 steals over the same period of time. Like why would you get Verdugo here and instead of Gene Segura, you know, a few rounds later. Right. I mean, there's probably so many guys if we were to just go through a list, like maybe I'll make the like, Alex Verdugo list of like all these outfielders we're going to go through that. I'm just like, Oh yeah, I'd much rather have him much rather have him. It's just not necessarily a special profile. And I understand that people get him because they need like really strong batting average. But honestly, like I would much rather have Michael Brantley just straight up than I would Alex Verdugo. He's likely to have a higher batting average. He's likely to hit for more home runs. And yeah, I mean, it just doesn't it it just doesn't make necessarily any sense to me um at all. Uh Hunter Renfro I like a lot. I have not gotten him, but it's more about the profile than it is anything else. I mean, Renfro was I mean, he was phenomenal last year. I mean, he's a guy who could lead the league in home runs for sure. Um so last year he hit 31, he had 57 barrels, a 14.4% barrel rate. He's going to be playing every day. He's a former gold glove outfielder. So theoretically he's going to play pretty good defense. He managed to cut his K rate last year. Um, uh, increase the contact rate significantly. I mean, significantly, significantly. So like maybe there's a little bit of gig give back, but I really like him a lot. I just haven't found myself getting him because, you know, he's probably not going to contribute a ton in batting average or though I think he could surprise some folks. 
Um, he's not really contributing in anything in, in steals. And so really it's kind of that power that you're paying for. And they're, you know, Jorge Soler is going later. Adam Duvall is going later, you know, and they're not identical necessarily. I, I definitely trust Renfro a lot more than that, but um, just not quite as good. Uh, Avi Garcia is a guy that I, I actually love. Um, I think, you know, full-time plate appearances, he's a high batting average guy. Um, he steals bases, you know, he had eight stolen bases, I think last year, or at least he's projected for that this year. He's got the pop. Um, I really like him and I've found myself, um, getting him, um, in a lot of different places. Um, you know, he's kind of a guy that's been showing up on a lot of my teams, my teams recently. Um, Eddie Rosario, everybody knows I love Eddie. You know, the, the challenge is like knowing exactly what the situation is going to be. The fact that we have the universal DH pretty much agreed upon, um, is a pretty strong, you know, I think it's a, gives him a pretty strong thumbs up. I think he's going to get playing time. You know, maybe there's a slight platoon concern there, but you're talking about a batting average guy, a home run guy, a little speed guy, potential for double digits, more likely kind of in the eight range, but I uh, really like him a lot. And he's obviously a guy that's going to shoot up into the 125 to 130 range. Um, it went once he signs with the team. Dylan Carlson is just kind of like a, he's kind of blah. Like he doesn't really do anything. Um, I, I think I was decently into him last year before he really shot up the board, but there's nothing, there's nothing like overly compelling about the profile you know, it's solid in terms of contact and O swing, but even with the super high BABIP, he only put together a 266 batting average. The home run per fly ball rate has been steadily very low, you know, at 12.2%. The barrel rate is not overwhelming at 28, you know, 7% last year. So, you know, even in that, like maybe he got a little unlucky, but it's pretty much in line with where he should have been. I, I just don't see anything and he's not stealing like he did in the minors, which I think was the big thing for him. So, you know, of those group for sure, Avi Garcia and, and Eddie Rosario are my favorites. Um, there, I think they're really nice contributors kind of across the board and pretty similar, honestly, like if we knew where, where Eddie Rosario was going to end up there, they, I, I would assume if they both got 600 plate appearances, you'd see a pretty similar line between the two of them and very similar approaches honestly too like they both swing at every pitch thrown at them and for that reason like a lot of people will fade him because they're like ah the contact rate's not great swinging strike rate isn't great but when you're on that end of the extreme you just swing at so many pitches you swing and miss at two of them in the same at bat you still got that third one to mash yep no doubt about it i'm with you on verdugo verdugo is interesting since i think it's still some of that uh, dodger prospect pedigree people love hitting towards the top of the boston order he's got really good obp skills and his lefty's fine so platoon shouldn't be an issue Still a lot of questions. I'm with you. It's like his overall production, you've, you threw it out 1,300 at-bats, and what, what have we seen? Like, really not a lot, but maybe people, I think people are hoping that we get it this year, so you're trying to get ahead of the curve. It's a lot of hoping, but uh, that's that's what I, that's what I get out of listening to other people, but I, I'm with you. I'm not not grabbing many Verdugo shares. Like, OBP, I look a little more at him, but I still don't, like, rush to do it type thing. It just makes a little more sense. Uh, I love Hunter Renfro, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, decent average, tons of power doesn't steal for me i take lordis over hunter that's kind of where i'm at just because i like the batting average upside might sacrifice a couple homers but i think there's a lot of similarities in their overall production by the end of the season we'll see but hunter's very good i have no problem with hunter renfro and then playing for milwaukee will be tremendous so that'll be a great spot for him as well 
Uh, Avi, I'm with you. I think I actually drafted Avi today as well because he's a decent OBP guy. But what he does, which I like so much because I needed steals, is he will run for a big man. Not a ton, but he runs enough. Like he, just, he can hand you eight, nine, maybe get you 10 stolen bases, which would be absolutely tremendous. He had eight last year projections. The Bad X has him for 10 and 22 homers, a 268 average. And that's playing in Miami this upcoming season. You know, 29 bombs last year, 20 in 2019, 19, 18. So you know you're going to get a, a good amount of power decent bagging average, and the ability to steal some bags, which I love about uh, Avisil Garcia. And you know Miami will run. That's what they'll do. So he went to a good team if you're looking for stolen bases. So I'm with you. I like Avi quite a bit. I think he's a really, really good spot here. Hopefully like your outfielder four potentially, unless you really, really wait on the outfield position. But I think he's a very, very good one to, to kind of snag. I agree on the Eddie Rosario love. He's an absolute beast. Still confused on how it didn't work out for him in Cleveland. Like, that's just a great ballpark for him to hit in. Just didn't click, but he goes to Atlanta and crushes. Like you said, wherever he signs, he's going he's gonna to be one of those guys that balloons up the ADP board. Just like there's like going to be a handful of guys. He will be one of them because with between the DH and his teams needing outfielders, most teams that sign him are going to use him regularly. So I, I like Eddie Rosario a lot if you want to take the value now. Um, got a guy with a little bit of speed, got some power. Like you mentioned, similarities to Abby for sure. And then Dylan Carlson's a tough one for me because I, even before last season, I dug in on him a lot. Like the production, not great this past year. Not going to deny that at all. Still super young, 23 years old. Uh, he still had 18 homers last year, which which was good. 266 average. Um, he just doesn't run. You know, there was hopes he would run because in 2019, he stole 20 total bases in the minors. Uh, you know, 8, 10 prior to that. Just didn't run at all last year, which is kind of strange because like Tommy Edmond ran a ton. So why was Carlson not running? If that switched, he'd be tremendous. I just don't know if it's going to switch. Like, Because even, even Goldschmidt ran last year. So it's really confusing with the Cardinals. Why did Carlson not run when these other guys ran? And so a lot of it might have been because he's hitting down in the order to start the season. So that kind of could have prevented him from running. That would change with the DH. That's one thing to look at. But he could also move up in the order. We've talked about you know Harrison Bader maybe moving up. Like Bader ran, O'Neal ran. More guys I keep thinking are running on Cardinals except Dylan Carlson. So maybe he was hurt. I don't know. He's one of those guys I'm willing to take a chance on if you really, really need stolen bases. But uh, that's only if you're like really, really desperate. Again, not a must play. And Rudy Gamble said it best. He tweeted it out. I think it was on Monday. He said he's making adjustments to the Razball draft, whatever, like simulator thing. But the second you draft Kyle Tucker, you're not allowed to draft Dylan Carlson. So it was, it was a pretty funny joke because people like to compare the two, which is – because Carlson had that that minor league profile, we just haven't seen in the bigs yet. Where Tucker we've seen, we know what we're getting. So I think that's why people still like Carlson. I get it with Carlson. Verdugo, I don't get it at all. Carlson, I get. If you still believe in what you saw in 2019, still, if he if he gives you what he got last year, it's not horrible, but not what you're looking for. So pretty tough for me. All right, we have 46 through 50. This is the, a couple guys I like here. Benintendi's 46, Robbie Grossman's 47, Alex Kirilov 48, Adelise Garcia 49, Ian Happ 50. You like any of these guys? I do, yeah. Um, I like Benintendi. Uh, you got a nice little, you know, he doesn't like wow you in anything, but solid in batting average, solid in home runs, solid in steals, and, you know, really improved as the year progressed. Robbie Grossman, I like. I've got him on a few teams. The batting average is a little bit of a concern, but kind of of this group of players, like even from starting like pretty much with Badu, you know, all the way through, he's kind of the guy that probably has the highest um, uh, 
ceiling when it comes to steals. So like if you're down in steals and maybe you have a little bit of average to give up, you know, Robbie Grossman can be a really nice fit. You know, the Tigers lineup should be better. You know, he's a great OBP guy. He should hit at the top of that lineup. He's a switch hitter. He should be in there. So I always like Grossman. Um, Kirloff, I haven't really been getting much of Kirloff. I do like him a lot, but he's had kind of these consistent uh, wrist injuries. I think this is the, like, last year was the second consecutive year. He's had a pretty significant wrist injury. Um, he looked really good when he was, when he was playing, um, but I just haven't, I haven't really gone after him. Not a lot of speed there. And I'm often attacking kind of batting average and speed here. Adolis Garcia, I haven't gone after either. Um, you know, the power and speed are pretty nice. And actually the projections still like him a decent amount because he's got that power speed. But I just think, you know, after that hot start, he was so bad. And if he continues like that, I don't think that they have a, a ton of reason to keep him in the lineup. I think he falls under that, like that, Jeff Zimmerman, like OPS of 700 line, where if you fall under that, you're in pretty grave jeopardy of, um, of not playing anymore. The mile uh, straw line. Yeah. The mile straw. <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't go, we won't go down the mile straw, straw train of thought. Had um, to do it for you, Johnny O. Yeah. And, uh, Ian Happ, I like as well. Um, really turned it on towards the end of last year. Um, you know, the speed is, is it hasn't been there all the time, but there's a decent amount of it. You know, the pop is there. The batting average is the obvious concern, you know, and when you look at the projections, that's the area where he's hurting a little bit, but in that, in that Cubs lineup, he should have a pretty prominent place there. So I like him too, especially if you're down in power a little bit here and, you know, maybe, um, maybe have a little bit of average to give. I'm with you. I like this range a lot, especially if you waited on outfielders, I almost tried to reach and get a couple guys from this little group here because you get you get a little bit of all five categories with most of these guys, which is huge for the way we like to build rosters of kind of making sure all your guys contribute for the most part if you can. Not all of them do. Like you mentioned Kirilov. I still like Kirilov quite a bit. He got hit by a pitch. Like that's just like, – still, it's a wrist injury. I'm not going to deny that at all. It sucks. But like we saw Matt Olson come back and crush last year. Kirilov's young. I'm, I, I, I could backfire because it is a wrist injury. We've seen it fail way more than it's been great but even before he got hurt his contact skills were insane like he was just mashing like he took him like a little bit from coming from the minors like slow slow and then once he got comfortable if he looked like he was about to have a really big season let's put it that way and then he got hit by by on the wrist so to me you're getting him at a discount it could be the injury discount and it could backfire it could not be a discount so it's kind of where do you want to take your risk i like him quite a bit um i i i and I like these first base outfit eligible. So it's one of those, if you kind of waited on first base also, it's a nice little give and take with Alex Kirilov. So I like him quite a bit. Back to the guys before him, Ben Benintendi, I have a lot of shares of. I love Ben Benintendi, like you mentioned, all five categories. I think people are just kind of like over him because he was this big Red Sox guy, didn't produce at all, and he got traded. But then we saw 17 homers, eight uh, eight stolen bases. He had three straight double-digit steals and, and homer seasons with Boston. He had 276 last year. Like He's hit for an average and power, like a decent power and stolen bases in each of the last four full seasons. Like they haven't been like lights out great, but they've been pretty darn serviceable if you really look at it. And there's no reason why he shouldn't do it again this year. He's going to play basically every day for the Royals, a team that we've talked about before as like a decent fantasy lineup. Like the, they might not win a ton of games, but they got some assets in that lineup. So Benny should be really good. And I'm honestly surprised he's still sitting at this point in the draft because I, I figured by now enough people would have realized he's actually pretty valuable. But uh, maybe some don't think so. 
Robbie Grossman I'm on board with him. He's similar to Benny. He had that big, big year last year, of course, the 2020 type deal. Do I expect some regression? Yes, but I still think he's going to be very good. They're going to let him run in Detroit. He's going to hit towards the top of the order. They gave him a big deal. They're going to play him. like They might not play Badoo to let Riley Green come up, but they'll keep playing Robbie Grossman. There's no doubt about that. So uh, Grossman and Badoo should be switched in ADP, if anything. Um, so I like Grossman quite a bit. I have a lot of Benny, a lot of Grossman. I have zero Adelise Garcia. I have no desire to take Adelise Garcia. I have not even put him in a queue in a draft. Like He's literally, if I could eliminate players from the draft pool on NPC, he would not be in the draft pool. I want nothing to do with Adelise Garcia. If he somehow figures it out, I'll tip my cap. And I'm with you on Ian Happ. Like, there's a lot of swing and miss. People talk about you know, the Jazz Chisholms, the Javi Baez's. Happ's got a lot of that. But he's also got this interesting walk skills, too. Like He's a weird dude. A lot of swing and miss, but then he'll walk some, his fair share. Tons of power. You mentioned the speed's not there all the time like we thought it would be. But he's going to be hitting in the middle of that Cubs lineup. And that's a team that's got nowhere else to go. So they're going to play him if they don't trade him. So I'm with you on Hap. So this is a really good group. Like I prefer Benny and Grossman, like Kirloff, like Hap. No Adelise for me. But uh, I have a lot of shares of uh, of this group right here. So I'm, I'm a big, big fan of them. All right, 51 to 55. We have Marcelo Zuna. Joey Gallo, Seiya Suzuki, Michael Conforto, and Nick Pollock's favorite, Jorge Soler. So what are you seeing in this grouping? I mean, Ozuna's fine. I haven't, I, he's not on my board. I'm not drafting him. Um, Gallo, if you're in an overall competition, like, you know, it's really hard to take that batting average. And certainly like he could improve on last year. The batting average was incredibly low. So he's probably going to be better than that but it's still just really hard to take. And it's kind of like, you know, why not just grab Miguel Sano going however much later, if you want that type of a profile, because, you know, the power is going to be relatively similar per plate appearance. And, you know, you have the same type of just general profile uh, that you're getting. So not really interested in Gallo Suzuki. I haven't gone after, you know, he obviously hasn't joined uh, major league baseball yet. Um, I don't know where he's playing. I don't know how good he is. And so generally like my, I generally, and again, I miss out on a lot of talent because of this, but I also don't go after get like huge busts because um, I'm not, uh, not really going after guys that I just, I, I'm not really sure how good they're going to be. Comforto, you know, we've talked about him before. I mean, he's obviously following, so following. So he's a little bit um, more interesting, but outside of that shortened 2020 season when everything was going right for him, he just hasn't been that spectacular. You know, it's like 232, 257, 243, 279, 220. You know, like 33 home runs are his most. He's never had 100 runs or RBI. Um, he's solid enough, and if he ends up in the right space place, then you know potentially there's some interest there. But he's also going to shoot up leaderboards like if he signs for the Rockies or, or something like that if he signs for the Phillies so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Conforto I don't hate him where he's going but he just hasn't really been on my board because I'm not really looking for that profile you know at this point in the draft I just still still think at this point in the draft there's just so many bats that look very similar including like Jorge Soler I'd much rather have Soler if you look at the underlying metrics for Soler he got really unlucky in the first half um, I think when we did our podcast and we talked about guys we expected to have second half surges, we talked about Solaire because everything looked really good. The O swing is solid. The contact was up. The ground ball rate was pretty, was lower. And so it was just a matter of him kind of get falling into that luck. And the barrels to home runs was totally off base. And 
So he's just a guy who, again, could lead the league in home runs and actually be really like have a decent batting average, I think, because of the profile that he has, um, especially if he ends up in the right place. So I like Sorlaire a lot, especially if you're chasing power at this point in the draft, which I often am. So um, is that the last guy in that group? Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting group. I, I don't have a ton of shares either. Like Ozuna, I get the arguments for and against. I get it. I don't want to get into the pluck, the, the off the field stuff here, but I, I get it. If he signs somewhere, the actually the Braves will still have him. So he's going to play. He can hit. I get it. Uh, Joey Gallo, zero shares. I'm just passing on that. You pretty much said everything that needs to be said there. Sayo Suzuki has been interesting to me. And maybe it's just me like believing too much, but there's been some good articles that have come out recently talking about him from some very smart people that like watch that stuff. And yes, a lot of it we've seen not translate from Japan to the bigs. That's that's the kind of the tough part here. So like I'm not all in on him, but where he's fallen or in different formats, I've kind of taken my chances with Suzuki to do it to like 26 plus home runs in like five or six straight seasons. He's at over 300 pretty much every season. He's just an all around like five tool baller in japan like really really good so if, say he comes over and hits 275 with 20 and 12 or something it's pretty good for right here that's kind of like i'm thinking like the floor should be decent hopefully a good ceiling um they're talking boston which would be great giants seattle um those are some fun spots for him so uh, it's risky like you said there's not a team like even today after the lockout news and the cancellation of games he reported and said, I still plan on signing with the MLB. So like, he's just waiting because I think he already had to tell Japan yes or no because they're ramping up. So he's just waiting now until MLB gets their stuff together like the rest of us. So I, I think he's a, he's a fun gamble. I really do. I think he's got a ton of upside there. Uh, Conforto, I have no desire to take. Like you said, he had that one big season. It's just been a lot of question marks since then. So I'm not really there. Plus, he's a free agent. So maybe he goes to Colorado. He's a little more intriguing. That's an option. I've heard that as a, a weird rumor. But what if he goes to like Pittsburgh? Like I'm not saying he would because they have to, they'd have to spend money for that. But just throwing out a random idea, like what if he goes to Pittsburgh? Then you're just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Don't don't need to deal with that. So that's like Cleveland would make sense, and that'd be kind of kind of interesting, but not a bunch. So we'll see with Conforto. I love the Solaire take, like you said. We talked about it. Um, you know, we always we like to talk about guys that are like the X stats look great over like a couple weeks. These guys just are underperforming. Some people think it's crazy, but you can kind of pick up on things like you use your rolling graphs uh, for a similar reason. And Soler just popped everywhere. It wasn't just like one or two little things where you try to see. It was just like his hard contact rate, his barrel rates, but then his X stats. And he was just on the top of everything you looked at, basically. So it was like you knew something had to click eventually. He gets traded. Like he actually started hitting with the Royals before he got traded. Then he got traded and just went bonkers with Atlanta. So I'm with you. He's a fun one as well. No steals, really. Not so. You got to keep that in mind, but tons and tons of power. So interesting range. Not all in on this range. Have a little bit of Suzuki and not really much else in this range at all. 56 through 60, AJ Pollock, Harrison Bader, Enrique Hernandez, Josh Rojas, Ramon Laureano. If you waited on stolen bases, Toby, you have some right here in this group. Like almost all of these guys will steal bases for you. Yeah, I, I like AJ Pollock a decent amount. I mean, the concern with him is, you know, um, like at least roster resource has him batting, I think, eighth, you know, in the current current iteration of the Dodgers lineup. But he's been a really good hitter the last two years when he's been healthy, when he's been healthy being the key. But um, he can steal some bases. The batting average is decent and the power has really been there the last two years. So I like Pollock a lot and I've got him on a, a number of my teams. 
Uh, Bader, I'm not really interested in Bader. Um, my concern with Bader is, you know, he had that really strong stretch towards the end of last season. But if you look at the underlying metrics, there weren't really any changes. Um, I'm working off my memory here, so maybe I'm wrong, but it was really BABIP and home run per fly ball rate driven. And so it didn't really seem like it was a sustainable change that he had made, but just was kind of like a really good run of luck that he was going through. And the batting average floor is pretty low. Um, again, he's going later on. So if you want a little bit of that power speed combo, then, you know, maybe that's, um, maybe that's a direction that you want to go in. But for me, um, you know, I haven't really been interested because I just think that there are better players like that have a pretty similar profile. Um, and then, um, let me just get back to our list. Sorry. Uh, Kike Hernandez. I like him a lot. Um, no, I don't have him because I'm generally not looking for that type of profile, but really solid. Whether or not he'll continue to hit leadoff in the Red Sox is is kind of a key to his value for sure. But he did a good job there last year, and he's overall solid, really solid approach. You know, doesn't swing at a lot of pitches outside the zone. He's kind of a decent, um, a decent uh, uh, OBP guy there. So if he does that, you know, a lot of runs that he can score and some of that pop. Not really any speed, but. Um, you know, we can't all be perfect. Uh, Josh Rojas, not super interested. I mean, I've heard some really compelling cases for why, you know, he could be um, a lot better. But the problem for Josh Rojas, for me, if my memory serves me correctly, is he's kind of like Kevin Biggio, um, who I like to mention on every show. His max exit velocity. Brian Slack, to take a drink. Is, is 1046 miles per hour, 355 batted ball events. His max EV is 104.6. He had 17 barrels last year, 4.8% barrel percentage for those 11 home runs. He hasn't really stolen much either. I mean, 14 steals in 777 plate appearances. I just can't really get behind it. I just don't think he is as good as maybe some people expect him to be. And I'm not sure he's got the skills to kind of take the jump to the next level. Um, even that 264 batting average was with a 345 Babbitt. So just something to be thinking about when it comes to uh, Josh Rojas. Loriano, I haven't drafted at all. I probably should, you know, especially, but I'm also in a DC where I'm really looking to generate those plate appearances. So maybe in a fab league, you take a stab at Loriano. He's going to miss a month of the season. Obviously that's more a chunk of the season now um, than it was earlier today. Um, so something to factor in, but certainly going at a, a nice little cost per plate appearance, if you will, um, where he is in the draft right now, I haven't really gotten him, but he's got that same profile that a lot of the guys that I like have. Yeah, it's the fun range Pollock. I like a lot, like you mentioned, if he plays and he could be a huge benefactor of the DH because the Dodgers will use it to give guys days off. And in, uh, the 60 game season, Pollock and Turner got the most use out of it, which makes a ton of sense. And Pollock had a big season that year. So you give him those random days of just DH and not running around out there and getting hurt. He will give you a few bags. He's got power. He'll he'll help in all five categories, which is beautiful. So I don't mind Pollock at all. Harrison Bader, I'm a little more in on than you. I understand everything he said. I get it. He's got double digit steel upside, double digit power upside. I think we've seen we haven't seen the potential ceiling from him just because he's always hitting at the bottom of the order. There's always like little things with Harrison Bader where there's been little kind of uh nuggets thrown out there from different beat writers from st louis that 
if Edmund kind of struggles again, we could see Bader get chances up top, which would change his fantasy value tremendously. And that so it's a pure speculation draft wise, but to me, when you're drafting DC teams and he's your eighth outfielder or something, that's a pure speculation pick. Like let's or your sixth outfielder or whatever. I, I I'll take the speculation type thing. I think it's an even better pick potentially, like right now, as the season lingers on, because if it doesn't work out, you drop him. You go and get someone else because Bader's a Raver Wire guy more often than not. So I, I'm kind of in on him for a guy that if he were to lead off and potentially take like keep improving to where he left off. We could see like a 15 to 20 homer guy with 15 to 20 steals. I think that'd be pretty solid stuff. So I think Bader's interesting. Uh, Enrique Hernandez, I liked. It doesn't run at all. I was really shocked. Like the more I looked at him earlier, it just does not run. I always thought in my head, like, you know, he runs. No, he does. He just doesn't run. But good power gets on base scores, runs if you want that. I like Josh Rojas still. The, the overall numbers are struggling, but, you know, go ask Alex Chamberlain. There's something there with Rojas, and he's got tons of flexibility positional wise. Uh, he's going to keep playing every day. Uh, so if you want to take the chance, you can. If you don't, I get it. I have like a couple shares. I'm like all in. I'd rather have Pollock or Bader. Loriano's the tough one, and you nailed it. Like I look at him in every draft room, and I'm like, oh, he's so good. He is. He got hurt again. It's those, it's those, what is it, 25 games, 30 games he's missing to start the season whenever it starts. It's not like prorated based on when the season starts. And that's why if it was 162, you're like, yeah, okay, he misses April, no biggie. But now it's like, okay, now he's going to miss a fifth of the season, a fourth of the season. Like, what are we talking here? And that starts to change the ADP in a big, big way because the talent's, yeah, it's awesome. But uh, I have no shares so far. And I, I it's tough because he legit has 15-15, maybe even 20-20 if he were to run hot upside. He's that good, so – that's a tough one. Like you said, the point, like points per draft pick or whatever you, term you used, it's tremendous with him. It's just we need to start the season. Start it now, and we'll be okay. The longer it progresses the wrong way, he hurt. He gets hurt pretty big on this one. 61 to 65, Jesus Sanchez, Joe Adele, Charlie Blackman, Austin Hayes, Adam Duvall. Yeah, interesting grouping. Jesus Sanchez, I know there's some really smart people, including James Anderson, who are really into Sanchez. I just haven't been able to get there. Like, I look at the bad X projection, and the batting average isn't that great. You know, it's got him for 20 home runs and 540 plate appearances. You know, the um, steamer has him for 24, which would be nice. So if he hits 30 home runs, you know, obviously that's great. But the batting average probably shouldn't be that good. Um, you know, the, the counting stats, I'm not sure they'll necessarily be there on the Marlins team, depending on where he hits. And he also tends to hit like a ton of ground balls. Um, you know, if you look throughout his minor league career, like the ground ball rate, the lowest it was, was 43.5 back in 2016, you know, but it's in like the mid, the mid forties, you know, so um, I just don't necessarily see the ceiling and I feel like, you know, there are some guys going later on, um, again, still like, I'd rather take a chance on, for instance, like a Bobby Dahlbeck or somebody like that, where, um, there's just, you know, some really super nice power, um, in this spot, uh, even Duvall, you know, Adam Duvall, who's going a little bit later than Sanchez. I mean, he's, he's already shown the pop and the RBI potential, in the right spot and, you know, on the Braves. So, um, so Sanchez, I'm not really interested, but there's a lot of smart people that like him. Joe Adele, I don't really have any interest at all, um, in him 
Um, Charlie Blackman, uh, I think he's really interesting. Like there's a group of folks that includes uh, Michael Brantley. That's kind of their batting average late if you're, if that's what you're down on. And I think there's some, you know, um, he got unlucky last year. Again, if my memory serves me correctly on his barrels per home run, you know, in cores, he had a lower Babbitt than he usually does. He was struggling with some injuries. He should play every day. He's got that monster contract. He should be able to DH, keep him fresh. The batting average should at least be there. And if he plays 600 plus plate appearances uh, with the Rockies, I think the counting stats will be there um, enough as well. So uh, I've been drafting him a little bit recently. Austin Hayes, I haven't really gone for. Um, I think the challenge with Hayes is like the power is not really um, all that special. The projections like him to steal a little bit more than maybe he has, you know, so far um, in his career. Um, and the batting average like hasn't been uh, been that good either. So, you know, but maybe there's a little something there. I don't know um, on Hayes, um, but I have not been going for him. And then um, Adam Duvall, I did draft Adam Duvall. I felt really bad about it. Like I felt disgusting after I drafted him. I was like, I cannot believe I just did that. What just happened? This is crazy. Uh, But I drafted him and I don't mind it. You know, we're kind of where he's going. He's got elite power. Um, He's on the Braves. Uh, He should play every day with that DH there. And he's a good defensive outfielder as well. Um, so why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, this is an interesting grouping. Um, Sanchez, I don't mind, but I, I'm with you. There's the batting average just doesn't look appealing at all. The, the power is awesome. I love the power, but, um, that batting average looks going to hurt quite a bit. So maybe he takes the next step and improves. Probably won't be doing it on my team at all. Honestly, and people will probably go, well, then why are you liking this guy? I like Joe Adele quite a bit. I think there's a lot to like there. It's a guy that's still super young, one of the top prospects in their system. He's 22 years old. Um, he's just kind of gotten his feet wet a couple of times the last two years in the bigs. In the minor leagues, he destroyed it last year. And we finished the season on a really good note with the Angels. Eight hits in his last uh, – or eight straight – eight-game hitting streak. Three home runs over that stretch, a triple, some extra base hits. Started getting comfortable. He only played 35 games with the Angels. So – he started to get going towards the end of the season. I think there is a lot to like there. It's a crowded outfield. You got Marsh. You got Trout coming back for now. Uh, Otani should just DH, hopefully. But uh, there's 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 guys there that, that could be in the way. But I like uh, I like Adele at his value. He's one of those guys that last year was going, like we talked about clinic last week. Adele is going super high, super, super high. He's got that ability to hit 20-plus home runs and give you 8 to 10 bags, maybe more. In a what should be a good lineup if Rendon can stay healthy, Trout, Otani, Walsh. Uh, there's option Fletcher will get on base for guys to drive in. Marsh isn't that bad. It, it's going to be a pretty good offense if everybody can stay healthy. So I, I do like Adele quite a bit. Uh, Blackman has grown on me. For people who have listened to the show long enough, they know how much I would never draft Charlie Blackman. But now um, his price his price is right. It, it is. He's only 35 years old this year. He had a power decrease the last couple of years. It's not going to be the 30 home run guy, but. 15 runs hot gets you 20. That'd be pretty awesome. The runs in RBI should still be good, even on a bad Rockies team. Playing on that ballpark will be tremendous. And as you mentioned, with like Michael Brantley, Blackman is a really, really solid bag and average guy. Like if you have an OBP league, I love Charlie Blackman. I think he's phenomenal in OBP leagues. Um, but uh, for average, he's like where you're getting him, he's the 60, 68th outfielder off the board at an ADP of 240, basically. 
Like that is pretty darn good to get a guy that can hit you 270, 280 plus. Like you don't have a whole lot of those guys the farther you keep going down that draft board. So I'm starting to like Blackman more and more. I think there's a lot to like there. Not going to steal your bags. Power's going to be a little decreased, but runs RBIs will be there. If he somehow gets a little hot in power, that's great. That batting average would be tremendous with Charlie Blackman. Austin Hayes, zero shares of as well. And then Adam Duvall is just, he's a tough one for me. Like you mentioned, the power is awesome. It's always been awesome. It's almost been more can he play enough. And he actually got to play 146 games last year, hit 38 homers, which was great. And he drove in 113 RBIs. But more often than not, he doesn't play. On the only hit 228, the average will always be a detriment with Adam Duvall. I, I agree with what you said. If you like the profile, take Duvall over Sanchez. I 100% agree with that. But it's just a profile I kind of try to avoid in general if I can. Like, I don't mind bad batting average guys, but I don't want like really bad batting average guys, if that makes sense. Like, I'll, I'll take my 240 guys, a few of them, try to avoid the 220 guys if possible. So that's where he he makes it a little tricky because I just I don't see that ever really improving. I think we're kind of past that in Duval's career unless like some miracle happens during this this lockout. I just don't know how. Rob DiPietro in the house. What's up, big guy? We'll see you next week. Um, 66 through 70. Lane Thomas, Tommy Pham, Garrett Hampson, Ramel Tapia, Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, um, with Lane Thomas, um, he is he's kind of fine for me. A uh, little bit of power, a little bit of speed, potentially hitting at the top of that um that Nats order. I think that's the key piece for him. A little bit of a concern around the batting average. Um, I oftentimes don't find myself grabbing Lane Thomas only because of the next guy, um, Tommy Pham. You know, uh, Tommy Pham, like as of last season, last season, I feel like he was going in the top 100 picks or around like pick 105. Obviously battled some injuries, but still put together like a, what was he, close to 15 and 15, if not like a very little good. bit better than that. Um, last year, you know, still makes a lot of contact. The skills really haven't been slipping um, the batting average floor is pretty, uh, pretty high. And I think the ceiling is, um, really nice as well. And I still think if he can stay healthy, which is a huge, if, I mean, he's still a 2020 guy and he's a free agent. Hopefully he'll sign somewhere where he's going to play, um, all the time. And when he does that, um, I anticipate that he's going to be successful and he's a guy that I've really been getting a lot of, uh, late. I also like Garrett Hampson. I know people give him, um, uh, give him a lot of flack just because he's Garrett Hampson. But, you know, if they run him out, he is going to steal bases. I mean, he was 13 and 17 last year, I believe. Um, if he just recreates that, you know, you're getting a ton of value where he's going right now. And I think the batting average was a little lower than it should be. You know, he's not a bad contact guy. Like, you know, he makes a decent amount of contact. You know, he's got a decent O swing as well. Um, so, I think there's definitely 10, 20 possibility here, 15, 20 possibility here for Hampson. If he gets Rob, everyday Rob plate DP, appearances. DPHO yeah. says fam's main event ADP last year was 123. It was 123. So, and now you're getting him like pick 235 or something like that. So about 110 picks later. Um, and he put together like a fairly decent season. For some reason, it's not coming up here um, on my, uh, on my fan graphs, but he, he's homeless right now. Oh, there too, he is. Though. He, he went 15 and 14 last year and, he's and he hit 229, but one of those guys, if you look at his X stats, like, and his, his like contact skills, big people hate the unlucky term, but he was very unlucky. Yeah. So, um, 
So fam, yeah, I like I like Hampson. Uh Tapia, no, not really. Uh he I don't know if he's gonna play. He doesn't play every day. Um, you know, the projections like him a lot. Uh so if you're into that, which I'm generally well, I'm not like I'm into it sometimes, but I don't let it uh, fully guide my decision-making process. But um, just not a lot of power, like kind of like a rabbit, but isn't stealing as much as like um, your Miles Straw type guy. But, you know, the batting average is nice. Um, Inquirers is nice. But again, like, is he going to play on a regular basis? Last year, his playing time really faded down the stretch. And then Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn is really interesting to me because there's nothing bad in the underlying metrics. And if anything, like it's pretty impressive for a guy who I think he's just like two years out of college or whatever. Um, and you know, he comes with the pedigree. So he's the type of guy that could really take that, that next step. Um, and I think one of the reasons why he's being hurt is because I think roster resource doesn't have him starting. Yeah. Um, cool. He platooned, he platooned a lot last year because uh, uncle Tony couldn't figure it yeah, out. Yeah. He platooned a lot, but he's the type of guy. Yeah. If he could play regularly, um, you know, could really, I mean, you know, he could make that big jump to like 30 home runs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's got that pedigree to him, but I don't have any of him either because he just doesn't do enough, um, for me at this spot in the draft where we're going. So that's kind of my rundown on those guys. I like, a, I like a few of them. Yeah. Lane Thomas is interesting. We saw some good, good spots from him last year hit at the top of that Washington nationals lineup, you know, still have Soto there. Of course you have Josh Bell, and company so i could definitely see the appeal he's gonna get you you probably double digit homers and steals list him up like if he runs real hot 15 15 which is pretty darn awesome in this range uh so i don't mind lane thomas at all like i'm not rushing out to get him but there's appeal there for sure as the draft goes on if you're looking for a guy that can help you in steals tommy fam i'm with you 100 love i'm curious where he lands that's obviously i think part of the reason he's getting drafted where he is he's a free agent and there's questions to be had there some people aren't probably in love with this season last year, which was still pretty good, like you said. And, and there's still a lot of meat on that bone, I think, with Tommy Pham. Uh, so if you want to take a stab at him, go for it. Um, Garrett Hampson, big fan of. I'm with you. Like People hate him. I get it. There's some questions here and there. But he had second base outfield, which is awesome, like really awesome. Plus, this dude legit could get you 30-plus stolen bases. Like if if he were to start playing every day, which he should. There's like this is the first time. This is like an argument I made on Twitter a while back. I think I took him the first time. I sent out some tweets, and you get the usual, oh, Hampson's bad, and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I get it. He platoons. He does this, that. But the biggest thing is he hasn't played every day because it's the Rockies. He's There's no reason he shouldn't play this every day. Like, this he's, is the year. He's old enough now where the yeah, Rockies will want to do it. He's this tall. He's tall enough to ride the ride now. Like, he's allowed to get on the Matterhorn. This is the way things go. Get it, Rockies Mountain. I got you. Um, oh but, man, uh, <laughs> I did not get it at first. I saw that the look one on hits, your face. That one hits good. I saw the look Bubba, on your face. That was great. I was gonna I, say I like Disneyland it. reference, but like no, the Rockies Matterhorn. Holy. Yep, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's late. Crap. It's late. I know. Lockout late. That's a top ten. That's a top ten uh, thing that's happened on our podcast. I mean, yeah, I they may be lo- the baseball may be locked out. But we're still bringing you top ten moments. Of the I'm gonna podcast. have to submit that for FSWA for us next year. That oh, might be for the sure. Do um, that. Just that but, joke. Best joke. Yeah, just on a joke. podcast referencing Disneyland, dumb, but not about Disneyland. Joke. Yeah, best dumb dad joke type pun. 
no, Jeff Erickson, you got to run for your money. Um, but yeah, I think there's so much life that he should play second base every day. McMahon over to third, uh, Rogers at short. Like this, there's no reason this shouldn't happen. We'll see. Tapia is interesting because I had him on some teams last year where you can kind of pick and choose when to play him because Connor Joe is playing a lot leading off, but there was a stretch where Connor Joe would play first base and Tapia would hit second and play the outfield. Like if they can coexist, it's great. Excuse me. Problem is, is I don't think they're going to coexist right now, but Tapia does have legit stolen base potential. So he's interesting. Vaughn, I love, but I just don't trust the playing time. That's the problem. I love Andrew Vaughn. Love him. I talked about it before, like last year when I saw him playing for Cal. He was playing Cal Poly. I went to, the, I made a point to go watch him. Apparently, I'm going to go to a lot more Cal Poly games this year. Um, he reminded me so much of Josh Donaldson. Like I took pictures of him, his batting stance, just his, he had the, the hair and everything. He looks just like Josh Donaldson. So I love Andrew Vaughn. I'm just worried about Uncle Tony, what he's going to do. So it's, it's a tricky one for sure. But at this point in the draft, I think it's worth a gamble. If, if you're comfortable with what you got going on and you want to take a risk for some power upside, I think he's a great, great risk at that point. So no problem with that at all. All right, we made it, Toby. 70 guys, 70 Ooh. outfielders later. That's 70 outfielders on the show. Um, let's do some listener questions. We've got a couple of them. Let's see what we got here. Let me add a, bring up the old trusty phone with the questions, and we kick it off with... Oh, by the way, breaking news. Got this in a chat. Um, Craig Mish is reporting. Sixto Sanchez is hurt again. Hmm. So I wasn't it's drafting not really anyways. surprising, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just saying for those that still kind of had hope for him, like as late dart throws and drafts, just throwing it out there. <laughs> it uh, might be one just to completely pass on now, but all right. First question we got here from our buddy, Aaron R at a Grakey. Who are your favorite outfielders past pick 400 Toby favorite outfielders past pick four hundred. Now, let me just go here to... There's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to do outfield, just so that I'm not looking, sorting through everybody. Yeah, I like a lot of them. All right. Let's start the engine, or start our engines. Bradley Zimmer. I like Bradley Zimmer a lot. Uh, A little bit of power-speed combo there. He was pretty much the best outfielder, maybe this side of Miles Straw. Um, in the Cleveland outfield last year. And so I think he's going to get plenty of run, maybe a platoon concerns, but going this deep in drafts, I think there's the possibility for a nice little breakout. Also, friend of the pod, just Justin Mason has always been a big Bradley Zimmer fan. So uh, we'll give him kudos uh, right there. Um, Matt Veerling is a guy that I really like a lot. Um, I have near 100% exposure to him in draft champions leagues. Uh, he's a rookie, kind of lesser known, older guy, but a little bit of power and speed there. Um, so I like Veerling a lot and maybe playing time in Philly. We'll see how that outfield fills in. But for right now, it looks like he may have um, some access to playing time. Chad Pinder is a guy that I like. Um, some smart people have pointed out that, uh, you know, if when the season happens, if Matt Olson and Matt Chapman are traded, then Pinder's going to get plenty of run, potentially in multiple positions. And he's got pop. You know, he didn't have it last year. He was battling through some injuries, but he's always been one of those like barrels per batted ball event leaders um, that we see. Ben Gamble um, is another one that I like, uh, you know, going around pick 550, should play every day. 
uh, with the Pirates, a little bit of speed, a little bit of pop, a little bit of batting average. Um, should play every day. I like Jake Fraley a lot. You know, he's a guy who he's going to be he's going to be platooned right now. Um, but he's the guy like that you could really put up like a pretty nice season, like a 15-15 type season. I think if he stays healthy and he plays on a regular basis and gets that run, you know, could be dispossessed in that outfield if they sign the right guys. But, um, you know, he's, he's, yeah, I like, I like Jake Fraley. Um, I think I'll stop right there. All right. I got a couple, I got a couple more. I like the, um, which one he had one there. I liked quite a bit. I'll might go back to him in a minute, but, uh, one that I think is there's there's a bunch here. Like I won't name them all. It's the ones that stand out the most. I love Garrett Cooper. I've always loved Garrett Cooper. It's just a matter of health with him. But like if you want to talk batting average assets later in your draft, and with the DH, he benefited a ton of from it in the sixty game season, and he will again this season. Um, when he was healthy, he benefited in twenty twenty. But he hit two eighty four last year, two eighty three, two eighty one. When he is healthy, he hits for an average. He's got power. He's going super late. Uh, this is a guy I, I like to target quite a bit in Garrett Cooper. I'm still a sucker for Aaron Hicks just because he's going to be playing every day in that that Yankees lineup, and that's just a really good lineup. If he can't stay healthy, you drop him, but there's a lot of potential there with Aaron Hicks still. Um, Anthony Alford is a popular one. He's got a ton of power speed. Just can't he keep it together uh, with the average enough to stay in a lineup? That's the trick, tricky one with him, but tons of power, tons of speed. Don't mind taking a late shot on him. Man, there's tons of them. Um, if I want to go later, I like oh Ben Gamble's the one I like that you mentioned a lot. I think Ben Gamble's a very, very good. And Jake Fraley's not bad either, but I like the Ben Gamble shout there because I think there's something there. And then in your super, super deep, um, I keep getting stuck, sucked into, and maybe things will change. But at pick six fifty six, that's be my last one because there's more to come. But uh, Stephen Piscotty, he's starting for the Oakland A's, starting unless something crazy happens. Maybe he gets hurt or something, but the dude can hit 20 plus home runs if he plays a full season. Um, so like he's going almost a pick 700. So if you like, he's a guy I have on so many leagues as like my 10th outfielder. Cause it's, you're just looking for at bats at that point. If something happens, so be it. But if you're taking him versus a potential prospect, I'll take the guy that's supposed to play every day. So but Scotty is interesting. And Rob, Rob DiPietro believes Hicks is interesting. I agree. It's just a matter of health with him. That's that's the tough part with Hicks. But if he can stay healthy, he'll just he's another fifteen to twenty home run guy. Tons of runs scored with the Yankees. So we'll see. But there's a lot of outfielders late. Lots of them. That makes them tough to go get like your core guys early in DCs and then fill up the rest of your stuff. There's tons of outfielders to be had. Um, next question, Charlie's with a four instead of an A. Thanks for doing these pods. Couple of questions. The first one. Thoughts on Harrison Bader? We gave that one, so we're good there. He said he plays elite, elite D, made some improvements in K percentage. What do you? Uh, why do people rank Verdugo higher? Okay, we talked about both. Would you take Bader over Verdugo? Let's answer that for him. I'd probably take Bader over Verdugo, just because of the speed. Um, I mean, I may have been a little bit harsh on Bader, honestly. Um, well, it was bad for a while. Like I, I understand it, it what you were saying for a while, but. You know, the end of the season, the end of the season, like he was just on some sort of crazy Babbitt run. But then when you look at the full contents of it, right, he hit 267, just slightly above his his league average. But he did make contact improvements. He was down at 21.2 percent, you know, with a 77 percent contact rate. 
You know, the O swing did get worse. The BABIP wasn't outrageous at all. The home run per fly ball wasn't outrageous either. So he seemed to earn all of it. And, and certainly a 267 batting average with 16 home runs and nine to steals is not anything to, to, you know, sniff at like the bad X projection of 244, 18 home runs, 12 steals. That's nothing to sniff at either, especially in 516 plate appearances. You get up to 600 plate appearances and you're talking about it closer to a 2015 guy. Um, which is something. So I may have been a little bit harsh um, on on uh, on Bader there, and you know I don't necessarily see him uh, deposing uh, Tommy Edmond. Um, That'd be tough, but maybe Dylan but, Carlson batting second. Yeah, but you never That's know, an and you never know what could happen. And you have a new manager, so um, yeah, I, I may have been a little bit of harsh on Bader. So I apologize. Uh, I just would like to take this opportunity to apologize to Harrison Bader uh, for not giving him a fair shake. I think there's definitely some potential there. You made some solid improvements. Uh, I may not be a believer, but I can certainly understand uh, those people out there who do believe in Harrison Bader, um, especially where he's going in drafts. I'm glad we can come full circle there. Now we're we're talking. And I think one of the things we have to think about, and it's still number of bats won't change, but with the DH, no pitcher batting ninth, I think more is possible for the bottom of the order guys. Like more can be <laughs> done where we look at certain guys' numbers and it's like they were kind of screwed over by the situation, probably more often than not in that. So that could change as well. Um, his other question, he says, thoughts on K- uh, Kiki Hernandez and Hunter Renfro. All three are available. So he's talking about Bader, Hernandez, Renfro. All three are available in his 10-team Roto Dynasty 5 outfielders. So between Bader... Hernandez, Renfro, which one, how would you rank the three for dynasty? For dynasty, I'd go Renfro. I mean, honestly, in a 10, in a 10 team or how many, how many players Five are there? Outfielders. Five uh, outfielders, but even in a 10 teamer, I mean, starting 50, you're not using probably most of these guys. Yeah. I mean, Renfro is probably the only one that I would roster in a 10 teamer, honestly. Um, I, go, I go Renfro, Bader, Hernandez, just because Bader's yeah. still young. There's upside there. Who's this year's Akil Badu? He asked that question on every pod I do. Does he? <laughs> James, yeah, James. He asked that question on every pod. James is asking, who's this year's Akil Badu? Yes, oh, he kidding. was just kidding. kidding. Yeah, because he asked hey, that on every single there's pod. No, there's no kidding on this podcast. <laughs> who is this year's Akil Badu? Who is the player who... Will be a rule, rule five, five draft, draft pick. pick. <laughs> Mash righties suck like crazy against lefties and be super <laughs> over drafted the net the following year. Hmm. Um, who is this year's Akil Badu? Cedric Mullins. Uh Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer. Close enough. We got Justin Mason both sides there, so it works. Bradley right. Zimmer. I mean No, it's very possible. You're not wrong. I, I get exactly what you're saying. Bradley Zimmer. Yeah, it's very possible. Very, James, very you possible. heard it here first. You heard uh, it here first. Our buddy MS at SMMS79 with our last question of the evening. In draft and holds, I had the most success last year when I targeted guys with a single valuable skill that I lacked at the time. When you get to the 300 to 500 range, do you approach it similarly or is a guy like uh, like Luis Arias a no-go? Like He talks about like, like Arias, such a great batting average guy. So his Arias. later picks, he tried to get yeah, he tried to get like certain assets with each pick, or do you try to still get like the multi category? Is what he's kind of asking, I think. Yeah, obviously, it's you a, want multi category, but are you trying to focus on something? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Um, first, before I answer that, I just want to say, uh, Mark, uh, because that is the first name of SMMS oh, or that's however great. it says. That's good to know going forward. Thank it you. is. Um, I would just like to say congratulations um, on winning the League Cup uh, for Liverpool in an incredible, incredible game on oh, Sunday. Liverpool won boys. the League Cup. Yeah, didn't, he, didn't like the backup goalie miss the kick? Oh, let me tell you, it was nuts. Soccer it was a great so game, bad. back and forth, zero to zero. Why is it, it was why is it Liverpool a penalty won 11 to 10 on PKs because all 11 players on Liverpool made it and the first 10 players on Chelsea made it. So the only ones left were the, were the, uh, were the goalkeepers and their goalkeeper missed it. And it was a substitute goalkeeper. And the narrative was just too strong because last year or two years ago, his, his coach asked him to come out of a penalty kick shootout and he refused to do it. And so it had to happen, but we won Liverpool already with a trophy this year. We're going for three more. Nothing can stop us. We're rolling. All right. So now that we've answered that, uh, the way that I generally handle it is I'm looking for plate appearances are kind of like the top filter. I want guys that are going to play, even if they're not that good, even if they're Alcides Escobar, right? Um, I want plate appearances. I want three to four, preferably four at each of the infield positions, three or four catchers, depending on how, you know, dangerous I'm feeling uh, in that particular DC. And then I want like uh, eight, nine, 10 outfielders uh, because you probably will use all of those guys throughout the course of a season. So that's kind of like the top filter that I use. So I'm looking at plate appearances. I'm looking at filling those positions and then I'm also trying to address, I'm going to leave the draft with some sort of weakness. In some drafts, it's been power, right? So I'll draft like, you know, so I'll go for power guys later on, you know? Um, in some, it's steals. So then I'm looking at some steals guys, like a Bradley Zimmer or somebody like that who I'm trying to add. So it really is trying to fill in those pockets of weakness that you might have and or kind of backfill that foundation that you've built in. Um, and generally there aren't a lot of five category guys, right? I mean, that's why they're at that back end of the draft. And so I'm really trying to look for guys that are going to play that fill a positional need that I have. And that at the same time are also filling some sort of categorical need or weakness that I feel like I have in my team. So those are kind of the different filters that I kind of, um, you know, kind of screen through my guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're very similar. Like I had Steve Weimer on a show. I know you're in a text group with him. And he's very, very good at DCs. Very, very good. And you are too, obviously. But Steve's very not good. as he, good as Steve. Yeah, he's, unfortunately, he, he broke down very similar roster construction build, like you're saying. And so, like, what I do when I get to a certain part in the draft before I make my picks, because they're slow drafts, and you can, I pull up my roster grid like every time to make sure like I'm not deficient in a certain position. Because the last thing you want to do is like realize it two rounds too late, and then you're stuck with Kevin Biggio. Because that happened to me before. Like, oh, you just don't man. want those things. You just don't Can want you those. imagine having Kevin Biggio? It's miserable. I can because I haven't been battled the pods. So can happen. that guy? Can that guy hit a home run? Um, on that exit velocity, like at the triple A, triple A, and triple A, he can. can he so hit he a won't home be run? on my team. So yeah, uh, but that that helps that situation. And then, like you mentioned, plate appearances. That's why I loved. Like I mentioned, Stephen Biscotti. If he's starting at pick six sixty something, like those are. There's a couple weeks of the year you'll use him, like you said, and it makes you feel so much better about life. So I, I'm with you in that for sure. Um, but uh, for the most part, Toby nailed it like usual. So you can definitely go 
on that one. Another question here in the chat. Brian K asks, hey, guys, do you know if Brad Miller has a home? No, he does not. He's got 20 games in outfield last year. Don't love him, but I thought a strong side platoon. He's a great platoon guy. We saw it in the past. He's got a ton of powers. He's just got no home. He will sign somewhere that needs a platoon guy. Like, There's no doubt about that. I just have no clue where because he could literally fit on all 30 teams. Yeah, I, I, I like Brad Miller. I actually don't have any of Brad Miller. I had a ton of Brad Miller the last couple of years. I'm just scared definitely to take a guy, right definitely now. a guy like a, yeah. a like a cheapo team. That's what I'm going to start calling them and started calling them like small market or like whatever they're it cheap. is. Like they're all cheap. The cheapo team. Thirty cheap teams. There's a there's enough cheapo teams that will sign him to be the strong side of a DH platoon, and it's not like a terrible. Uh, or said the Yankees, which makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. So a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a fine enough hitter and he's got some pop for sure. So that's a good shout. Yeah. Play first base outfield and DH. Like he can really help. He used to play middle infield. So he probably could swing around every once in a while if he had to, like he, he'd be a great fit somewhere for sure. Um, Mr. Robert DiPietro. Yes. Joey Weimer rules. We know Joey. Uh, He said Taylor Rogers. He's not talking about Joey. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Steve. Oh, okay. Yes, you're right. My bad. Talking My bad. about Steve, Steve Weimer rules. My bad. You are so right. We're just talking about. I okay. This Here, this is a tough question. All right. You've got a room, oh, no. and it's Don't make full me do this. of Weimers. <laughs> Who, you got how do you rank them? <laughs> Joey Weimer and Steve Weimer in a room. Okay. And or maybe like in a line and you're drafting them who do you choose first you choose steve weimer or joey weimer first i Um, mean this seems like a pretty clear answer to me baba steve Steve weimer of course steve weimer of course he's got got the more the longer pedigree longer track record the guy has been producing for years and also the thing the thing is like I mean, Steve's awesome, and I love Joey Weimer, but he's he hasn't even hit the big leagues yet. I mean, Steve yeah, Weimer has hit. Steve the big is Steve is leagues. the big leagues. He is the big leagues. So he is. Okay. He Fair defines. Enough. He personifies the big leagues. You you are there. You are correct there. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up before we go down some really good rabbit holes. Uh, it's been a heck of a show, though. We had Nick Pollock early on, yeah. having some fun with us. We talked about 35 outfielders. We had some fun listener questions. We had Rob DiPietro just filling up the chat with some greatness. Like, I didn't mention everything. It's just fun. So, if you guys want to join us on the YouTube, like, the chat room's there. Um, and Big Robert D, he's going to be back on the airwaves this week, folks. Um, he's got Johnny L coming on this week. I believe mm. uh, there's, a, there's a certain podcast duo, Justin Mason, the second favorite podcast duo, <laughs> is going to be making an appearance on Rob DiPietro's pull hitter podcast next week just that's wow. what i've heard that's what i've heard we'll have to talk to people but i think that's happening so make sure and you guys it, go check it out it's so nice to have rob back yep. and the podcast the pull hitter podcast i mean check it out Good stuff. uh rob is an amazing host an amazing um person. and he asks really great questions and uh there's a lot of a lot of a lot of really great strategy bites in those podcasts so i'd highly recommend them especially the March 10th that March 10th uh, recording probably drops March 11th give or take yeah i mean That's the, the March, one i recommend the March 10th recording of that podcast yep. is going to be really phenomenal 
I'm gonna have to like I'm gonna have to like hack into his computer because he talked about all this like Google Sheet stuff he's been doing lately because I'm stupid at that and I really want to check it out. So I'm curious. I mean, the man the man is in the big leagues when it comes to Google Sheets. Yes, big leagues. He's and just generally, he's, he's a pull hitter. He is. You can't even shift him because I mean, right over you. I mean, if Kevin Biggio or Josh Rojas. On that note, Kevin Biggio is We're as good of a pull show. hitter as Rob DiPietro is. They might hit a home run next year. Okay. Could, Kevin, it could be possible. We've, we've hit our Kevin Biggio limit, on, so we have to wrap up the show. <laughs> Brian Slack is going to be drunk with laughter. Um, so you can check out Toby on Twitter at BadFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTrick. This was our Outfield episode preview volume two. Bubba and Batflip episode 115. We'll be back with you guys next week with more previews. I think we're going to start pitching next. I think so starting pitching. Yep. So Holy maybe cow. Paula can show up for that. Uh, so we'll get, we'll get on that one next week. But for now, you guys have a good one. Baseball's coming. Stay positive. Catch you guys later. That's going to wrap us up for episode 211 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast in edition number 115 of Bubba and the Batflip. Hope you enjoyed part two of that outfield preview. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we covered a lot of ground uh, from diets to uh, fantasy baseball and outfielders and the labor issues and uh, just a lot of fun. Um, hope you guys had fun too listening to it. Uh, as always, we really, really appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast. Um, best of luck with your continued drafting and research. Hopefully we get to put that to you soon. Take care and be kind to one another.